but you aren't like actually black. This girl literally said this to me with her entire chest. Like, I'm not actually black. Like, what? Anyways, this is your microaggression of the week submitted by, oh wow, me, Kyla, your lovely co host. your token POC. This is Canela, aka House Representative Ocasio-Cortez's Golden Hoops. And this is Kyla, aka Vivica Fox and Kill Bill. So uh, let's unpack this microaggression of the week really quickly, shall we? I think it introduces the topic super well, so dale, Kyla. Um, okay, so, okay, I have to admit this. I had a lot of white friends, like in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Who didn't? Yeah, this is true. I mean, I guess depending on what school you went to. That's true. But if the, 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 if the chance was there, like, if the chance was there, then most likely you had them. Now, my school was, like, 60% black, actually. And I think the next percentage, like, the next highest percentage, which must have been, like, 30-something percent was white. And then there was, like, a single digit, like, for the rest, like, non-black people of color, basically. Basically, my friend groups were like, my friend group were like, a few whites, like, a couple blacks, and then like, some non-black people of color. That it was just funny. I remember one time we were like in the cafeteria, and these like two coaches that were, like, wanted to sit at our table that we inevitably chose. They literally were like, oh, the United Nations stole our table again, huh? Calling us, calling my friend group the United Nations. But anyways, that goes <laughs> to show you just like the melting pot, quote unquote, that was in my high school. But anyways, so because of this like screwed up society that we lived in, different hobbies and culture were like, are, not even were, are still like attributed to certain racial and ethnic groups. So, and do y'all, y'all better not judge me for this. I did go through a couple of phases. First, I went through this, oh, do I like alt-rock or emo phase? Or, like, not, not liking emo, but am I, like, emo? And then I went through this phase where I was in, like, complete love with One Direction. They were my favorite band, hashtag Zane for life. <laughs> And because these groups were white and because this wasn't something that, like, black people were supposed to like, white people basically tried to attribute whiteness to me as if they owned these groups. Like, they owned the right to be able to like and appreciate these groups' music just because... The groups, I don't know where this like comes from, but it's like, oh, hip hop and trap and like all of these like other sexually explicit and like language explicit things are like blackness, and then all of this like clean offbeat music is white, 
And so what I found is that all this really translates to is how like certain elements of black culture are like relegated to being ghetto and hood and thuggish right up until it becomes cool. And then everybody's playing Mo Bamba in the club. Everyone's playing sicko mode in the clubs. How what, how does that why does it take for like white people to decide something's good enough? Why do they get to control basically culture? Hmm. Is it because they don't have any of their own? Oof. We're asking some real questions today, aren't we? So, yeah, I mean, I completely hear everything you're saying. Um, and I definitely feel that in terms of, like, white people being to deter- being able to determine, like, what is, I don't know, considered to be POC. Or, like, I don't know, as a Latinx who grew, went to a predominantly white high school, I kind of feel that. I, uh, I also had my phases, Kyla. I had the blue hair, the fringe, don't at me. Y'all can probably find the pictures on the internet. Me yes. and my bass guitar. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was a look. I wish we could like post a picture like on social medias, on our social medias with Canela as like a scene kid. Scene little brown BB. Wow. Such a cutie. Oh, no. What a mess. But yeah, I, I grew you know, I hung out with predominantly white people and I got really similar comments like, oh, but you're not like other Mexicans. Like I said, you know, previous episodes, I'm not Mexican, but mm-hmm. they were racist. They don't really care. Like, so, you know, I was Mexican to them. Uh, you aren't like other Mexicans. Like, you're you're a Mexican, which in their minds is like a white Mexican. Not to be confused with actual like white Mexicans who like Latinx people can be white. It's a thing. Latini, that is not a race. We'll get into that later. But um, what they meant was you're a brown person who acts white is essentially it. Because you listen to Avenged Sevenfold and not bachata or like reggaeton, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I, I mean, I did listen to that. I just didn't listen to Romeo Santos out loud until I got to like college because I found it embarrassing. Because I really thought that they thought that I was like, basically ignorant for it for listening to my own stuff if it was stereotypical anything I did that was stereotypical felt like I lost their conditional love and appreciation as like my white friends Mm -hmm. and you know like I have a specific story I got with this which is I just think it's really sad um I remember I was hanging out with like these two white boys you know they're my good friends and at one point we started talking about dating in general, dating preferences, which mm-hmm. we, you know, we touched on in the last episode. Right. If you haven't listened to episode two, please go check it out. Hit it up. It's up. Spotify. Subscribe. Come on. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Literally anywhere, y'all. Come on. Yeah. But anyway, so we were talking about preferences, and, um, you know, the white, white boy basically said point blank, yeah, like, I wouldn't, I don't think I could see myself with, like, a person of color. Like, I just don't. I think our cultures would be too different. And when I when I asked like what they meant, they're like, but no 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 no, not not you, because you're like, you know, you're like alt. It's a little it's different. Like you don't have the, the stereotypical personality of a Latina. Because at that point I wasn't I was not binary, so they're like, a Latina. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? And they really couldn't put their finger on what they 
meant when they were describing Latina personality type. Or even, I, he even went on to give the example of, like, well, like, for example, I would I think I'd date a British black person over an American black person because the, the culture is just more similar. Which I don't, he was basically just saying ignorant things, which not all white people say things that is explicit, but there is this kind of tone of, like, respectability right. in the way people of color are expected to act that carries forward from these dumb high school sentiments. Like, these are both silly examples, but they relate to a very real theme that we as people of color, like, oftentimes face, and especially academic spaces and professional spaces, life in general. Exactly. And what's so messed up about it is that you find yourself almost struggling on the inside Mm -hmm. because you're like, do I want to maintain this reputation as being accepted by these people who think of me as white because for so long I've been told that being white was better than being like that a certain type of black person like is being this version of a black person that white people think I am better than being unapologetically me and what that ends up being is like I feel like it raises a lot of anxiety in the minds of a lot of people of color I just, it ends up having such detrimental effects about the way we view life. Yeah, and honestly, there's a reason that, you know, um, on average, children of color, teenagers of color, have higher rates of anxiety and depression than white teens overall, which is interesting because typically what do we see on television being represented, the mental health issues that are being pointed at in high schoolers do typically tend to come from, like, white affluent backgrounds, right. whereas, like, people of color sort of push it aside, but we have this, like, racial anxiety. I don't mean to say we as in all of us, because, like, obviously, we're speaking from our own experiences, but personally, I know that I've experienced a lot of racial anxiety, mm-hmm. and I know that in specific classrooms, even at Tulane, I've noticed in classes where I don't talk about race versus where I do talk about race, professors treat me very differently, mm-hmm. depending on the two. Because you don't want to come off as too angry or too stereotypical right. when you talk about certain things because it's it's uncomfortable for them. It is uncomfortable for them. And I feel like, I don't know the I've talked, we've talked about this before, mm. about like the angry black stereotype. Yeah, we've talked about this, but you go for and it. And the girl in my class who basically, I was taking gender studies and Bell Hooks, who is like an excellent feminist scholar she basically wrote this article and we we ended up having to read it for class and this white girl basically said you know I really like the topic and I really like the the analysis that she wrote but I really just feel like people aren't going to accept what she's saying because she's coming off as too angry and they may reject the message and it's just like why do we have to present ourselves in a certain way to get our issues across why is there this like angry black woman trope almost to try to silence us and to not speaking what's on our mind and the issues that are facing us mm-hmm. it's not fair and it's a racist really honestly 
It's funny that you... It's not funny, but it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like anger is oftentimes... Obviously, it's different between, like, black and brown folks being characterized as angry because, like, anti-blackness is the root of all racism. Mm -hmm. That's what we're putting forward out here in the show. If you want us to elaborate, let us know because we will. Anti-blackness is the root of all racism. We're not, we're not going to dispute that <laughs> with each other because that's just a fact. Um, but yeah, that trickles down even into the characterization of brown people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that I had a really similar, just an experience where I was, I mean, many experiences where I've been characterized as angry, but especially in activist spaces with white quote unquote progressives, right? Who are supposedly supposed to be acting against racism mm-hmm. and in a way that is supposed to be moving us forward. But that's not true. Organizers can be equally racist, if not more, mm-hmm. um, internally within our organizations. So I remember this meeting distinctly because I was actually uh, tokenized, and that's why I called the meeting, because it was basically a group of organizers had put together a secret small collective because it was had to do with the, the taking down of the monuments. So, you know, sort of like top secret Mm -hmm. and these were just organizers of Tulane it's not like anything to do with the work that's out in the city which is really great Mm -hmm. but um all the organizers I noticed except for two people including myself were white in this quote-unquote trusted circle of organizers Mm -hmm. um so we ended up having call meetings I'm like this is ridiculous this is who is seen as like the trusted racial organizers on campus when there are plenty of people of color doing this work anyways we get to this meeting and essentially one of the white women who's on my side of it and is like this is tokenizing and not okay screams during the meeting at the other white people just belligerent just very much screaming and Mm. I on the other hand and the other person of color is like conducting ourselves in a more like quiet neutral manner right because obviously there's the respectability politics that even comes out there like you can't be yelling in a way that white people yell at meetings because we're not going to be taken as seriously exactly even after being very you know, neutral and being more, um, I would say, focusing on our own humanity versus, like, what they did wrong mm-hmm. to try and get them to understand why that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, I found out several of the white people in that meeting were characterizing me as angry and, like, wow. belligerent and aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you sick? I literally did the most to make you guys comfortable. I don't understand what else I could possibly do. So. Well, it's kind of messed up. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's just, like, even after doing all of that, you're still this, like, angry femme of color. Mm Mm-hmm. After using the emotional labor to literally try to appease them. Exactly. It's not fair at all. Maybe we should just embrace the anger. I've learned to kind of live in, not live in that anger, but (laughs) James Baldwin once said not this is like a paraphrase of the quote because I don't I don't because I don't want to misquote a legend but he basically said to be black in America and to have a sliver of consciousness basically which means to basically be aware of what's going on you're like enraged all the time In other words, to say, if you're passionate about the injustices that you're facing on a daily basis, why wouldn't you be angry? Why wouldn't you speak those problems? Why wouldn't you speak about those with passion? And and talking about how unjust the world's been, like, treating you. 
and try to express how these people can make it better because it, it, it's on them. Mm-hmm. Just a sad situation in general. Yeah. Not many yokes on this uh, podcast this week. We weren't really feeling it because obviously we talk about tough issues yeah. as people of color on campus and not all of it's going to be comedy, even right. though we try and insert it because it can be funny. We, we were just not feeling it this week yeah. with it. I think it is very important, especially as POC, that we really make sure to pay attention to our mental health. All right. But anyways, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so we want to make sure that we're getting your microaggressions of the week. We know we did not put out a call for submissions this week. Uh That is on us. We will be putting it out tomorrow, though. Um, Our next theme is most likely going to be on tokenization. Mm -hmm. And what that feels like. So if you have any experiences in the classroom where you have felt like a token, not just in the classroom, in life. Because obviously that's something we, a lot of us experience. Uh, make sure to shoot us a message on Instagram, right. Facebook, or email us. Or if, you know, me or Kyla personally, just shoot us a little text. Yeah, we'll answer. Yeah. And please also make sure to follow us on social media. Literally, all of our social media handles are at Your Token POC. You can't miss it. A beautiful graphic made by our, our art director, Jars. She's incredible. Incredible. Incredible, incredible. So, she's tagged on our social media as well, so you can look at more of her art. Follow us. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. What, what else? I don't even know. That's basically it. It is basically it. We also come out on the Hello Blue if you, want, you prefer to stream us there. You prefer to stream us there. We have SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music. Anchor. I mean, just so many places that you can reach us and get to us. So check us out. Check us out there. And just be kind. Mm-hmm. Why not support three femmes of color in this world just trying to talk about race in a candid manner um yeah well thank y'all for tuning in and remember we see you we hear you we are you bye